0: Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbond. you're listening to my podcast and I'm so grateful that you joined me this week and we're going to get into the Word and continue on in what we've been talking about, about counting it all joy in every single trial and test and storm that we face and how to have victory in every single situation. And somebody said, can I have victory in every single situation? Well, the Word says that we can. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. Well, when you came into Christ, when you were born again, became a child of God, victory was bestowed to you. Victory was given to you automatically. And you were caused or made... To triumph in life, not just in the world to come, not just victory because we're going to heaven, but triumph and have victory in this life. To rule and reign in this life, like the scripture says in Romans chapter 5. And when you came into Christ, you came into a place of victory. When you were born again, you were born into victory. And thanks be to God, the scripture says. Paul said it there in the third chapter of 2 Corinthians, which always causes us to triumph. We can have victory in every single situation. We can have, or we can triumph in every single situation in life. And we have been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15. And so we can expect, we can expect to have victory. Not just hope for victory, not just long for victory, but we can expect victory in our life. Expect it in your life because you're in Christ. And with that, you have to be a doer of the word, obviously. But in Christ, you can expect victory. You can expect victory. In every single situation in life. Amen. Glory be to God. And faith expects victory. Faith knows the outcome of every single situation. Faith, rather than getting upset that you're facing a trial or a test or a storm, you know that in the midst of it, you're coming out. You know that it's another opportunity to prove that God's word works. And that you know victory is on the other side of it. And so faith rejoices in those things. Amen? It rejoices. It rejoices because it knows it sees the victory on the other side. And so we're going to look more at this subject today. I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, get them out. Get some paper out, some, some paper to write on and a pen. And take notes and get ready to study along with me. We're going to look at these scriptures together. First of all, look over at James chapter 1, verse 2. Scripture says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Or a footnote in my Bible says various trials. So diverse temptations or various trials. Verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so James, here, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. Now, I don't know about you, but the flesh, the flesh man doesn't always want to count it all joy or doesn't feel joyful when it's facing hardship. And that's not the natural response for people typically when they're facing hardship is to be joyful, is it? That's not a natural response for the flesh. But yet in the realm of the spirit and in the kingdom of God, Joy is the way out of every single trial and test and storm. And that's what faith does. When we're looking at the scripture, it says count it all joy. That's a faith term. Counting it all joy doesn't mean that you're always going to feel joyful, but that's when you got to count it all joy. You're not always going to feel like being joyful or rejoicing, but that's when you count it all joy and that's what faith does faith will be joyful in the midst of diverse temptations or various trials storms difficulties whatever the case may be and like i've said before what i what i've said in uh previous uh podcasts is that this is something that has not been taught on very much around uh, Pentecostal circles, it's not something that's taught taught on very much in the church at large. Joy is a subject that I believe has been avoided very often. It's not been talked about very often. It's not been taught on very much. And there's a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ concerning God's joy and yet it's a a wonderful subject, and not only that, it's a necessary subject. Joy from the Lord will cause us to have victory in every single situation in life. We don't talk about, like I said, enough like we should, but it's so necessary to the body of Christ, and we need to get back to talking about it and teaching on it, that we can have joy in every single situation. It's not about just having joy and being joyful because we're going through a trial, but having joy because we're coming through the trial, and because joy and faith in God will bring us out. Amen? But the Scripture says to count it all joy. You're not always going to feel joyful. You're not always going to feel like rejoicing and being glad when you're facing trouble, whatever the situation may be. But like I said, that's when you got to count it. That's when faith counts it all joy. It considers this an opportunity for joy. And, you know, like I said, it's not the natural response of the flesh to be joyful during, during a difficult situation, during a hard time, right? Your flesh will want to take you down a road of anger and depression and worry and if your mind is not renewed to the word of god it'll side in with your flesh you understand and if you're not careful if you're not if you're not in the word and if you're not meditating in the word and if you're not full of the word and full of the holy ghost like you should be then when these things come against you when a hard time comes against you then you'll it'll be easier for you to veer off into defeat and into depression, and into worry, and into fear over the situation, away from the Word of God, and away from the victory that's been promised to you. But see, when you are staying in the Word, and continuing in the Word, and full of the Holy Ghost, and something comes against you, because remember the Scripture said here, when you fall. So it comes to everybody. The storms of life come to everybody. Temptations come to everybody. We're all going to face temptations and trials, come to everybody. But when you when they come, that's if you're so full of the Holy Ghost and full of the word and you're in the word, then it'll be easier for you to go in the direction of heaven. It'll be easier to follow after that you you have a response in faith and it's the response of joy. And like I said, joy will bring you out of every single circumstance, test and storm. And like it's not being happy because you're facing a trial. Because nobody's happy when they're facing a trial, obviously. We're not denying that the trial or the temptation or the test is a hard place. We face hard places from time to time. Jesus never guaranteed that because you're born again that you're never going to face those things. No, actually, in the scripture, John 6, uh, 33, he said, These things I write unto you that you may have peace, or say unto you that you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said in the world, you will have tribulation. And so in Christ, we have victory. We've been always made to triumph, the scripture says, like we quoted earlier. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. But yet in the world, you'll have tribulation. So you see, we're guaranteed the victory, but we're also being told that you will face tribulation in life. You will face temptations in life. You will face uh, trials. Why do we face these things? Because of proximity. Proximity. Because of where we're at. We're in the world, and the scripture says, go back in your Bibles and look at it. We don't have time to look at it now, but I'll quote it to you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Says that Satan is the God of this world. Little G. Says how he has blinded, how the God of this world is blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine into them. So the scripture reveals to us that Satan is God of this world. And for the time being, he's running things around here. And that's a whole nother teaching in itself. But the found the thing I'm trying to lay here, the point I want to make here, is that because of what is in the world, because Satan is God of this world for the time being, you will face trials and tests and storms as long as you're in the world I remember uh, a story that Brother Hagan told Kenneth E. Hagin how he said a man came up to him one time and said Brother Hagin will you pray for me that I'll just never have to deal with the devil anymore will you pray that I just never have problems with the devil anymore will you just pray for me that I'll just I'll that the, I'll, you just that I'll be rid of the devil never have to deal with the devil ever again and Brother Hagen humorously answered, well, I, do you want me to pray that you'll go to heaven? And the man said, no, I don't want to go to heaven yet. I'm not ready to go. And he said, well, as long as you're in the world, you're going to have to deal with the devil. You're going to have to deal with circumstances, and and you're going to have to deal with uh, tribulation. You're going to have to face those things. You're going to have to face affliction and persecution. And see, people think, oh, maybe I can just pray the devil off of me, or I can get other believers to agree with me, to pray these situations off of me, to pray that I'll never have problems again, pray that I'll just be strong enough in the fight to deal with these things. And I believe in prayer. I believe that we should be praying. There's an admonishment to pray. There's a strong uh, urge in the Spirit for us to be praying as believers. And a big part of my ministry is a ministry to teach on prayer and to lead others into prayer uh, to, about these last days and in these last days. But a lot of times we're doing so much, we're doing praying when we should be rejoicing and we should be speaking the word of God. Because there's just certain things in life where you're, you're going to have to respond in faith with the word and put the devil on the run. And there's a place for prayer. And there's a time for prayer. But if you're just trying to pray situations away and pray that you'll never have situations away or pray about the storm and about the affliction and all this other stuff, pray that it go away or pray it off of you, then you're not operating in the true faith of God that Jesus talked about. Jesus didn't say to pray about the mountain in Mark 11, chapter Uh, 23. No, he said you are to say to the mountain, be removed. Not pray about the mountain. There's a place for prayer. but We know we need to remember what that place is. There's a place to speak. There's a time to speak. And Jesus didn't say to pray about the mountain. He said to speak to the mountain, say be removed, be cast into the sea. Can you say amen? And so, and, and with that, along with the faith of God that speaks, the faith of God rejoices. Amen? Count it all joy, the Scripture said in James chapter 1, verse 2. We're back there. When you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. Now, if you are not in the Word and not full of the Holy Ghost, then it's going to be hard to respond in joy it's going to be more difficult to respond in joy. In fact, I'll just tell you right now, if your mind's not renewed to the Word of God and you're not full of the Word and the Holy Ghost, then you're not going to respond in joy. But you'll respond out of your flesh and out of your feelings. And that's why it's important that we stay full of the Word and full of the Holy Ghost and continue to keep ourselves built up and stirred up in faith and train ourselves To respond with the word in joy. Will joy bring us out? Yes, in every single situation. Will joy bring us in to the victory? Yes, in every single situation. Can we be joyful? Because in the midst of facing difficult times, we're developing patience. Yes, that's what the word says. Go on in verse, to verse 3 of this opening. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. What's being tried here? We think a lot of times, we say a lot of times, I'm being tried. I'm in a test. I'm in a storm. That is true. Yeah, to a, in a degree or in a measure, that's true. That's partly true. But actually, what's on trial here is your faith. It's what you carry. It's what's in you. And it's what will grow in you if you continue to stand and continue to hold your ground and continue to rejoice. Scripture says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Your faith is being tried, but in the midst of it, you're growing. In the midst of it, you're developing patience. See, worketh patience is what the King James said. A footnote of my Bible says it develops patience. And verse 4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, there's a lot of believers that out there that are walking around imperfect. There was a lot of believers and Christians out there today that are walking around not entire. Well, is it possible to be in Christ? To have all the blessings of God belong to you. To even be given the victory and yet to be walking around incomplete in faith. Or incomplete in patience. Yes. Or not perfect in patience and in faith. Yes. Undeveloped. Untried. And not strong in their faith. See, a lot of times Christians get born again and it takes faith to get born again because it's through faith by grace are you fa- saved through faith the scripture says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 by grace through faith so you get you get saved through faith and it's the grace of God amen a lot of times believers they get born again they get saved and blessed be God that's wonderful thank God for it but then they never do anything else with their faith. They never do anything with their faith. They never grow their faith like they should. They ne- never develop in faith like they should. They just let faith lay dormant in their life. And they go to heaven. They go to heaven as spiritual babies. And what happens is because believers don't develop in faith and don't develop in patience and don't uh, grow in the Word of God, and come up to a place of knowledge and revelation of what the Lord's done for them, they get pushed around and beat around by the enemy all through their life. And a lot of times believers, Christians, are so ignorant of the word, they don't even know that there is an enemy out there, or that the enemy is even doing that to them. A lot of times people blame God for things that he's not doing. God gets blamed for everything. And it's all a result of... A lack of knowledge, ignorance concerning the Word of God, and not developing in the faith of God. you know there's a lot of uh church leaders, so-called church leaders and pastors today, so-called pastors that I've been hearing about and seeing lately that are renouncing their faith and they're denying their faith and they're and they're um, getting up in front of their congregations and saying that they're no longer following after the Lord anymore and you know this is happening i'm not just talking about one or two isolated cases i'm talking about this is going on this is a real problem now this is something that's taking place right now and then we don't need to be surprised about it because the scripture says there in 1st Timothy that in the last in, in the last days some shall depart from the faith it was 1st Timothy 3 giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and you know i was asking myself it's in First uh, Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines, and devils. I was asking myself the question, why is this taking place? Why is this going on? I asked the Lord the question. Why is this going on? Why is this happening? These are so-called well-known preachers and so-called well-known pastors, and they're just denying their faith. They're, they're turning their back on you, Lord. Why? And you know, the Lord has shown me that, that what's been going on in these people, they never developed their faith properly like they should have. They never really knew the things of the the Word of God nor the things of God. They never really came to understand the authority of a believer. They never were full of the Holy Ghost. They rose to fame and power they They rose to fame and got in the spotlight and had all these massive mega churches, but they're not qualified to stand in those places and they're leading a following into the ditch and into the spiritual junk heap and they're leading their following their mass following astray and Don't think that the enemy isn't working behind the scenes in in those kind of places to let them get. To a place of a massive following and then to deceive them and to seduce them away and to, to get them off so they can lead others astray and, and cause a huge uh, problem in the body of Christ and hindrance in the body of Christ. You know, I don't care what the standard of the world is. The word has a standard for ministers. It has a standard for people that um, are in positions of authority. You have to grow and mature and learn. And if you're just in the spotlight off the bat right away and you don't know anything, boy, that's asking for trouble. A lot of times, well-known artists and, and musicians and famous people get saved and everybody's looking to them for answers and they're just baby Christians. And they don't belong in the spotlight teaching other people or telling other people what they should be doing. They're just baby Christians. They ought to sit down and shut up and learn and take time to grow. You know, the things of God take time. Learning and growing in faith, that takes time. It takes development. It takes patience. And the enemy's out there playing for keeps. He's playing for keeps. And this is not a game. We need to be developed in patience. We need to be mature in these things. This is not only a family of God. This is an army of God. And you have to be strong in the Lord, the scripture says. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If you think that this was going to be smooth sailing, and it was just going to be a nice little simple carousel ride, and it was going to be like laying on flower beds of ease, you're you're missing it. Because we're in a fight of faith, the scripture says. Second, second timothy talks about that chapter 4 the fight of faith paul said i fought a good fight i finished my course i kept the faith this is a fight of faith and if you're not in the fight of faith if you're in any other fight other than the fight of faith then you're in the wrong fight i'm not saying all this to discourage anyone I'm not saying all this because I'm trying to paint a bad picture. I'm saying you have to be prepared that in in life, as a Christian, as a believer, especially as a word of faith, Holy Ghost Christian, you are going to be persecuted. You are going to face affliction. You are going to face trials, tests, and storms. But it's what you do when they come that matters. What are you going to do when these things come? Well, the answer gives you the 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 answer is found in the Word. The Word gives us the answer of what to do. But you have to be prepared to stand and not be moved. We're not going down in defeat. We're going over. We're going over in Christ. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Now I want us to turn over to Acts chapter 16 and look at another uh, scripture, kind of conf- confirm and bear witness to what we've been reading. Acts chapter 16. Talking about counting it all joy, amen? Counting it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, it says, well, before we read verse 25, let me back up and say that, give a little bit of context. The scripture says that Paul and Silas were traveling and they came to Troas and they were preaching the gospel and they were ministering to the sick and they were do- and they were doing their ministry there. Verse 14 says a certain woman named named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. It says she was baptized, her and her household. She besought us, saying, if we believe, or if we, ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house, abide there. And she constrained us. Now, in verse 16, it says, it came to pass when we went to prayer that there was a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. A spirit of divination or a familiar spirit, in other words. And there's... um." Different places in the Word of God and the scripture to talk about this. You can go back in 1 Samuel 28, verse 7, talks about the same thing familiar spirits. She was a um, fortune teller. She was a palm reader type of person. And she had an evil spirit. And let's just read it because it's going to give us some context here. It said, which brought her masters much gain through soothsaying. So, in other words, she was owned as a slave. And her masters gained a lot of money off of her because of the soothsayer. In other words, she'd read poems, she would be giving, telling fortunes and all this other stuff. Now, verse 17 says, The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us, the way of salvation. So she's got an evil spirit, she's yielded to evil spirits. and she's following around Paul and, and uh, those were, that were with him, harassing them. And what she was saying, though it may look right, was coming from the wrong spirit. You see that? And in verse 18 it says, in this did she many days. Notice that, many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, notice, address the spirit, That was possessing the woman, the damsel. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters, verse 19, saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, brought them into the magistrates, saying, these men, are being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. You can go on and read it, that for sake of time we're not going to, but basically these guys got them thrown in in jail. They stirred up the whole city and got Paul and Silas thrown in jail. And they were thrown not only into jail, but they were thrown into inner prison. And they were beaten with many stripes, the scripture says. They were beaten and thrown into the inner prison, And their feet and their hands were put into stocks. And so now we get to verse 25. And it says here, and at midnight, after all this has gone on, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Now I want you to notice something. Here we got Paul and Silas, they're in jail. Their backs are bleeding, they're in stocks, and this is Roman jail. This is a Roman jail for the day. This isn't like a modern jail like we have today, where you can get a college education in prison. No, this is a serious place. This is a very horrible place, dark, cold, wet, and you're treated, they were treated like prisoners, they were treated like criminals. And like I said, their backs are bleeding. They're in pain. They're in the, their hands and their feet are in stocks. But I want you to notice what Paul and Silas did in the midst of this, in the midst of their situation. It says at midnight. Midnight is not only uh, a natural time, but that's also spiritual. At midnight, in other words, in their darkest hour. That's a spiritual term as well as natural. Paul and Silas prayed. Now, I want you to notice, like we said earlier, there's a place for prayer. There's a time for prayer. And thank God for prayer. I'm a prayer. I believe in prayer. I believe that we should be praying every single day. In fact, the Lord told me one time, be faithful to pray in these last days. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful in prayer. Don't neglect to pray every single day. Pray in the Spirit of God. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in other tongues. Pray out the mysteries of heaven because it's through the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the righteous, that God is able to do what he wants to do in these last days. He'll be able to work his work in these last days and move by his Spirit. But, anyways, like I said earlier, there's a place for prayer, there's a time for prayer. And thank God for prayer, and that's what Paul and Silas did here. They prayed, right? But they didn't stop with prayer. They didn't stop with just prayer. A lot of times, people, when they're in a, situ- a hard situation, they pray. They pray, and they and then they stop with that. That's it. But I want you to know, Paul and Silas didn't stop with prayer. It says, and they sang. Praises unto God. be to God. And they were singing praises to God so loud that the prisoners heard them, the scripture says. It makes note of that, doesn't it? That the prisoners heard them. So they didn't just stop with prayer. They prayed and sang praises to God. Like I said so many times, believers and Christians, they do a lot of praying, but not enough singing praises unto God. They pr- do a lot of praying, they do, they're, they're strong in the prayer side of things, but they're weak on the joy side of things. They're strong in prayer, but they're weak in praise and in rejoicing and in joy. But how many know you've got to have both? The scripture talks about it. And we're talking about count it all joy, right? When you fall into diverse temptations. The prisoners heard them, and I want you to notice the results, the outcome. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open. Not just Paul and Silas' doors, but all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Glory be to God. The foundation of the prisons were shaken; the doors were opened, and their bands were loosed glory be to god what happened the power of god came into dem- into manifestation and work and came on behalf of what Paul and Silas were doing did they complain and gripe and and get mad at god and get upset about what had happened they're here doing the will of god they're doing what the Lord has called them to do, and then they're thrown in jail for doing the right thing, for doing the will of God. Sometimes people think that they must be doing something wrong or that they're out of the will of God because they're facing a trial or a storm or they think that if people go through trials and tests and storms, they're not in the will of God, and that's not so. Because if that were the case, then Jesus missed it, and Paul missed it, and Peter missed it, and all the prophets missed it, and men and women of God throughout the word of God have missed it. But that's not the case. No, because you will face trials, tests, and storms in the, wo- in the plan of God. Won't you? You'll face trials, tests, and storms for doing the right thing. Don't be deceived about this. Don't be surprised that you're hated by the world. Don't be surprised that you're facing affliction and persecution. Don't don't be surprised. If they hated Christ, the Scripture said they'll hate you. But the Scripture but the Scripture shows us that even though Paul and Silas were in this dire situation, they prayed, and they sang praises unto God. Now, what are they singing praises unto God for? Obviously, this is not a good situation. Obviously, they're in pain. Obviously, they're in inner prison. And yet, in the midst of all this, they're singing praise. What are they praising God about? Well, this is the response of faith. This is the response that faith has. And When you get so full of faith, and so full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will prompt you to rejoice and praise God in this hard situation, in the test, in the trial. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Why are they praising God? Why are they praising God? Because... In the natural, it doesn't look like they have anything to praise him for. And that's what so many people are looking at. They think, well, I don't have a reason to praise God, so I'm not going to praise him. I'm going through a hard time, so I don't have a reason to praise him. But that's not it. Why are we praising God? Because praising God, counting it all joy, rejoicing in the Lord is the response of faith. And it's the response... That the Holy Ghost will inspire in you that will bring you through to victory every single time. That will the whole, the Holy Ghost will prompt you to rejoice. Remember that we've said it before the kingdom of God is not righteous or is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And there's a place of rejoicing. There's a place of joy that we can get into a realm, a depth of joy that every believer ought to get into. A depth in the Spirit that will lead us into greater joy. A depth in the Holy Ghost that will lead us into greater joy. And I'll tell you what, and I speak from experience, that when you start rejoicing in the Lord and yielding to the Holy Ghost and the promptings of the Spirit of God, joy in the Holy Ghost, that it will bring breakthrough in your life. It will. Cause those suddenlies to take place in your life, and that's exactly what happened right here. Paul and Silas prayed, but I'm going to emphasize this to you again. They didn't stop with prayer; they didn't just pray. A lot of times, can I can I just give you this, this little side journey here? Sometimes the side journeys help us as much as the main line. A lot of times, people in the and believers, especially faith believers word of faith Christians, they overemphasize one particular thing. They're overemphasizing one particular thing. They're strong in one area. They get strong, really strong in one area. They get really strong in prayer, and that's the part that they emphasize. And they overemphasize it without also emphasizing other parts of the scripture, other um aspects in the in the Scripture, other parts to the Word of God. A lot of times, Word people emphasize the Word, and they cling to the Word, and they promote the Word, and that's right and good, but they're doing it, and they overemphasize it, and they never yield to the Spirit. They have only Word, in other words. They only have the Word. And they never yield to the Holy Ghost. They never have the move of the Spirit. They never have the manifestation of the Spirit in their midst. You see what I'm saying here? A lot of times, believers will overemphasize one thing. Like prayer. They overemphasize prayer without the rejoicing. A lot I've seen believers that overemphasize the Word and not the Spirit. And, or and not have the Spirit along with it. I've seen believers that overemphasize the Spirit and not have the Word to balance them out. And see, it's important that you don't overemphasize one thing or have only one part. Don't be strong in just one area of the Word of God or one area in the things of God, but have a balance and be strong in all areas. Be strong in all areas in the the things of God. God wants us to be strong in all. A lot of times believers get strong in, in um, intercession, but they never supplicate. They never supplicate for the body of Christ. And sometimes they don't even know what supplication is, which is praying for the church. And all they ever do is pray for the lost. All they ever do is pray about one particular thing. All they're ever doing is praying along a certain line instead of praying and being led by the Spirit of God to pray in the way that He would have them to pray. So you're, are you listening? And sometimes ministers get up and all they can ever do is teach faith. And that's right. And we should teach faith. I'm a faith preacher. I teach faith. And it's right to teach faith. But sometimes there's such an overemphasis on one subject or one thing And other subjects and other things are neglected. And we ought to be balanced in all subjects in the Word of God. Are you listening to me? Have a balance and emphasize all subjects in the Word of God and not just one. Paul and Silas didn't just pray. Although I know a lot of Christians and believers would stop with prayer in a situation like this. They'd pray. But they also sang praises unto God. They also rejoiced. They counted it all joy and the result, we see what happened in verse 26. People want verse 26, but they haven't done verse 25. The suddenly took place in their life. They were let, for, let out. The foundations of the prison were shaken. The doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And if you read on in the story, the jailer, the one that was in charge of them, he got saved, him and his household. That was how God turned the situation around. But God would not have been able to do that for them if they had not done their part. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I believe that Paul and Silas got to a place in faith and developed in patience so strong that they didn't care what came against them. They didn't care what happened to them. They knew what the outcome was going to be. And faith always knows what the outcome is going to be. It doesn't question. It doesn't wonder. It doesn't, it doesn't guess. No, faith knows. Faith knows victory is on the other side. Faith expects victory on the other side. Can you say amen? Expect it. Remember the scripture in 1 John chapter 5, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Our faith. See, victory that overcomes the world is faith the faith of God in operation. And when you're operating in the faith of God, you'll count it all joy. Guys, I hope you are blessed, and I trust you are blessed by this teaching. Remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook and on YouTube, and you can keep on listening to this podcast. We're going to continue to teach the Word of God right here and continue to expect great and mighty things, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost and greater things are in store. So once again, thank you for listening in and we'll see you next time. Hey everyone, you're listening to Stephen Overbaugh and this is my podcast. I'm so grateful that you joined me this week. Thank you to all my partners and listeners, by the way, who support this ministry, who follow the ministry. Thank you for your uh, financial seed and for your prayers and for joining with me in faith as we do the work of the Lord, as we continue to uh, fulfill the mandate that he's called us to do. It, and it just is an honor to me to, to teach the Word of God and to, to do what I do And I'm just so grateful that the Lord has called me and chosen me for this and thank God for his purpose in these last days. Amen. Thank God for his work that's being done in these last days, his call upon the lives of every single believer, his anointings, his grace upon us all to do what he's called us to do. You know, I get excited when I talk about the anointing, about the Holy Ghost and about the the move of the spirit and the work of the Lord because you know this is this is the last the last few moments in time before the church is caught away before Jesus Christ comes back for us to receive us unto himself and there's a great and mighty move of God that's going to take place to usher in and bring in the harvest and we all need to be in our place we all need to be right in the perfect will of God ready to do exactly what he's called us to do in stride, in pace, in step with what he is wanting us to do and what he has called us to do. Amen. We don't need to be behind God, but we need to be right with him, not ahead of God, not behind him, but right where he wants us to be, right where he's placed us, the church that he placed us in, the ministry that he placed us in, the the work that he placed us in. We all need to be getting down on on our knees and seeking God for what He wants us to do. Amen? And, you know, the prayer of consecration is a prayer that we ought to be praying all of our lives, every single day of our lives. Father, not my will, but Thy will be done. Not what I want, but what You want. Not my plans, but Your plans and Your purpose. And, you know, when we pray that way, those are Holy Ghost prayers. Those are prayers that the Holy Ghost can take hold with, and he begins to move on. And when you pray that way, the Lord will begin to move on your life. He'll begin to speak to you and show you what he wants you to do. He's not withholding. No, he's revealing in these last days. He's revealing his plan and his purpose to us. Glory be to God. But you know, when we get into these podcasts, when we talk about... things of God, when we look at the word and we teach the word of God here on these podcasts, you need to come with an expectancy that I'm going to receive what God has for me today, just like as if I was in a service or a special meeting of some kind. And to really hunger and thirst for the things of God is what's going to cause you to grow spiritually when you have a hunger, when you have a, a desire for him. You know, Jesus said, they that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled And he also said, and this is in Matthew chapter uh, 5 and chapter 6, he said that they, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. And so God is looking for hungry people. God is looking for people who desire him, who want what he wants. And, you know, there is such a call and a, a mandate and a, a directive from the head of the church to be praying in these last days, and at times you'll know you'll notice that the Spirit of God will prompt you to pray, he'll prompt you to get down on your knees and spend time with him in the spirit he'll prompt you to set aside what you're doing and to and to uh pray in the spirit and you may not even know exactly what you're praying for, but there's an urgency there's there's a burden to pray. And if you yield to those times, he'll use your voice. He'll use that time. The Holy Ghost will take hold with you and begin to to speak through you. And he'll begin to cause you to pray out the plan of God. And it's not just for your own life personally. It's not even only just for your family, but it's for the work of the Lord, for the, the mandate of heaven. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the harvest. It's for the the overall plan of God in these last days. And you know, there are different types of prayer. There are different types of uh, praying that the scripture talks about. That scripture actually talks about nine different types of prayer in the New Testament. But there'll be times when you're interceding for the lost or when you're supplicating for the church. And there's a difference between the two. A lot of times church people will say that they're interceding and they say, we're, we're having intercessory prayer. Or let's get together, let's have inter- intercessory prayer. And then they begin to pray for the church, they begin to pray for believers, they begin to pray for all kinds of stuff. Well, really, in all reality, according to the scripture, intercessory prayer is one type of prayer and it has to do with praying for the lost. And actually, the scripture says more about praying for believers and supplicating for believers than it ever does about intercessory prayer. There's more scriptures that make mention of supplication in the New Testament than there are those that make mention of intercession. But a lot of times we get these terms mixed up and we say intercessory prayer when really what people are doing is they're really supplicating. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 19, he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So notice in the spirit, why don't we turn over there to today? If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. But in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 19, just like we said, the Paul the Apostle Paul gives some direction on how to pray, doesn't he? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, actually. Ephesians f- chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, notice, notice what's he's the context of what he's saying here who are we praying for he said for the saints didn't he but notice when it comes to praying for the saints he talks about supplication not intercession see a lot of times people think and like i said earlier they think that intercession covers it all but really intercession is only a part of it it's part of how we should pray it's only a a a small piece of the whole overall picture or the whole pie of prayer, so to speak. Intercession is a part of it, and it's a a major part of it. But when we're talking about praying for the saints, we're actually supplicating or bringing supplication unto the Lord in the Spirit. And Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, if you look at other translations, and you look up what that actually means in the Greek, It actually means praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So one translation says being led by the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, you're in the Spirit being led or directed by the Spirit of God on how to pray, on how you should pray, on on the direction you should go, on what should be said, on what should be done. And you know, we can get together in prayer and we can talk about how to pray and we can have our own ideas of what should be prayed out. But really what we ought to be doing and what we ought to be um, trained to do is to come together and to be led by the Spirit of God to pray in whatever direction He wants us to pray in. And that's what I say because I teach on prayer often and I have a ministry part of my ministry is to teach on prayer not just by precept but by example, and to show people uh how to pray and to also have a demonstration of the Spirit that follows that, but I'll teach people that you know, when we come together in prayer, yes, we can have some sort of a plan or an agenda we may even know what we need to pray for but But ultimately, we need to come with an openness that we're going to let the Holy Ghost lead. That we're going to follow the Holy Ghost. We're going to do whatever it is he wants to do. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit just means that very thing right there. It means that you're praying in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And you're allowing the Holy Ghost to take hold with you to accomplish the work of the Lord together in prayer. Somebody said, how effective is prayer, really? Well, I'll tell you, it is for the person who knows who they are in Christ, who knows their rights and privileges, who knows the word, it is very effective. The scripture says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James chapter five. It availeth much. Now, the amplified version of that same scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much it's dynamic in its working it's dynamic in its working so it it's it makes tremendous a power available i believe it also says so it brings tremendous power into it and it's dynamic in its working glory be to god glory be to god so prayer the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous woman is effective. It does make effective the plan and purpose of God through what is being said. It is dynamic in its purpose. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so we need to expect that. We need to expect that when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray, that we know that God is listening, that the Lord is listening, that he's his ears are open to our prayers and that he's not only listening to us, but he's using our prayers to accomplish what needs to be done in the earth in these last days. Glory be to God. And if you're looking for that scripture, it's in James chapter five, uh, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And like I said, the amplified translation says it makes tremendous power available and it's dynamic and it's working. And so should we be praying? Yes. Should we be praying every single day? Yes. There's an urgency. There's a call. There's a a uh, burden in the spirit to pray more and more in these last days and to seek the face of God concerning what needs to be done. We ought to be praying like never before. We ought to be praying and, and uh, getting down on our knees and allowing the Holy Ghost to use us us to pray in these last days. You know, I also say to when I teach that every single member of the body of Christ, every single Christian in the body of Christ has a ministry of prayer, has a ministry of prayer. Now, let's look over at Romans chapter 8 and look at the 26th verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, But the Spirit itself, or this is a King James translation that I'm reading out of, a better translation would say himself, because the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's the third member and person of the Godhead. So a better translation would be himself. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now somebody said, well, now see right there, that's talking about intercession. But now wait a minute. Who's making the intercession here? It says the Spirit makes intercession for us. You know the reason why we don't make intercession for each other as Christians and why we're not, why it's not termed intercession when we're praying for uh, the church and for the body of Christ? It's because we don't have to make intercession for the other members of the body of Christ because Jesus already makes intercession for us. He's already making intercession for us. Somebody said, where's that at? Well, you're in Romans chapter 8. Look at the 27th verse. The reading on. So we were in 26. Look at the 27th verse. He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now keep reading. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with us, with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything against the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now, this is what I wanted to get to right here. Verse 34. He Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again. Now notice, who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Now if you have your bibles you should mark that in your scripture and mark that there in your bible. Mark that line who's making also maketh intercession for us. So who's making intercession for us? It's Christ, the head of the church, the son of God, he maketh intercession for us, the saints. So we don't make intercession for the saints because that's not our role. That's the ministry of Jesus. What we're called to do is supplicate, and you'll look through the New Testament. You'll never find any place in the scripture where it says that we're to intercede for the saints. No, but it always says supplication. But when the scripture talks about intercession in verse 26, he's talking about, again, the Holy Ghost making intercession for us. So as we're praying, he's helping us in our infirmities with that word there means it's a King James word, but that l- word r- literally means weaknesses or inabilities. And it's, somebody said, what weakness or what inability? Well, it's the weakness or inability of not knowing how to pray as we ought. You see that there in verse 26. So the, help, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses, for we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then it goes on, talking about the perfect will of God and how we pray according to that. But see, the point I want to make here is that when we're supplicating, the Holy Ghost takes hold with us and he helps us pray. And you know, I just don't know how Christians can do without the Holy Ghost. Because a major part of being filled with the spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is that immediately you're giving, you're given a prayer language that helps you pray beyond your own understanding. You're immediately given a prayer language that helps you pray beyond your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own understanding and you know, like I said earlier, the church has been given a ministry to pray, but so many in the church are praying according to their own understanding. Or they're praying according to what they know, what they think, what they have figured out, what they can see. Well, there's so much out there, friend, that you can't see. And there's so much out there that you don't know. But the Holy Ghost knows and he'll help you pray along the right kind of line, the right kind and the way you should be praying. He'll help you pray in a powerful way to cause the plan of God to be accomplished In the earth and in people's lives. Glory be to God. And, you know, it just takes, this is one major reason why people should be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord gave me a directive and a mandate to teach the people of God, to teach believers in the local church and Christians about the Holy Ghost and his work in and through their life. See, the moment you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with power and you're given a ministry. Do you remember what Jesus said in in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? He said, You shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Glory be to God. You shall be witnesses unto me. Well, I want you to notice that the scripture talks about power to be a witness. Jesus said that there's a power that's made available to you to cause you to be a witness. So many people try to be a witness for Christ without power. But there should be a power that accompanies your witness. There should be power that comes along to enable you to be a greater witness for Christ. And being filled with the Holy Ghost will cause you to be a greater witness for Christ. You shall receive power. Now that scripture there, the word power there, if you look it up in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I do have a Greek concordance and I've studied out the words and and thank God we can get the a meaning of different words from time to time when we need them. And the scripture there says the, for the word power, that the word literally means dunamis or A word that we would recognize in today's culture is dynamite. And so the scripture is likening, the word there, it's likened to dynamite power, explosive power from the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus said, you shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It was talking about this dynamite dunamis power that comes upon you. And it's so wonderful and it's so effective. It's so powerful that it causes you to be a witness for Christ. And, you know, it's like the example that Peter gave us when Peter walked the earth. And when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was about to go to the cross and they came to arrest Jesus. Jesus warned Peter. He said, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me thrice or three times. Well, Peter said, obviously, that's not going to happen. But later on, it came to pass. They they said, surely Peter is among them. He was with them. He was with Christ. He's one of the disciples. And he denied Christ three times. And And then what Jesus prophesied, what Jesus told him would happen, happened. The word of wisdom was operating there. And so Peter went out and wept sorely, the scripture says. But I want you to notice that in Acts 2-4, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, including Peter. And it was Peter who got up on the day of Pentecost and preached the message. And 3,000 people got saved, born again, and came into the church that day. So was the same man, the man who before denied Christ and was ashamed and was afraid, later on stood up and boldly declared the work of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Well, what made the difference in his life? What made the difference? He got filled with something. He got filled with power. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what Jesus said. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, why is this so important? Evidently, it's so important. It was so important that Jesus told the disciples to wait for this gift. I always say it this way. Jesus is the gift to the world, but the Holy Ghost is the gift to the church. He belongs to the church. He's a gift to the church, but so many in the church are denying him, rejecting him, refusing him. And it's a sad thing because he's a gift and he's a helper and he's an enabler and on top of that he wants to be your comforter in a greater measure. You know, there's a lot of things that the Holy Ghost brings into our lives when we're born again because if you are born again, you do have the Holy Ghost within you. And there's no doubt about that. Some people had the erroneous teaching that you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues in order to have the Holy Ghost. Well, that's not true. No. Being born again means that you have the Holy Ghost within you. You do have the Holy Ghost, but you have him only, listen, only in a measure. But there's a greater measure that you can enter into. There's a greater measure of the Holy Ghost that he wants you to partake of. There's a fullness that he wants you to enter into. It's kind of like the uh, drinking water, a glass of water. I have some water here on my desk right now. If I take a drink of water, you know, I have water in me, don't I? And I'm familiar with water. I I know something about water because I put it in me. I, I I've come in contact with water, but that doesn't mean I'm full of water. If I want to get full, I gotta keep drinking. I gotta keep drinking. I gotta keep drinking and stay, continue to just take it in and it'll fill me up, right? Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Ghost. You can have a measure of the Holy Ghost by being born again. And when we say, Jesus come into my heart. Well, Jesus does come into our heart in the person of the Holy Ghost. See, we receive the earnest of our inheritance. He's the earnest or the guarantee of what we've received. He's the um the spirit of truth who's come to live on the inside of us. And Ephesians chapter one talks about that. How that he is the the gift, the earnest of our inheritance. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. And he is there to live on the inside of us. But there's more of him that we can obtain and that we can have. There's a greater measure and greater fullness that we can enter into. We are sealed with the spirit of God, the spirit of promise. The scripture said in Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, when we get born again. But Jesus also talked about being filled with the Holy Ghost. The scripture said part of Jesus' ministry is that he would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Glory be to God. And so jumping back, evidently this was important enough that he told his disciples to tarry, right? Do you remember that? In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of my father to you, upon you, the scripture actually says, Behold, I send the promise from my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with, notice the word, power from on high. Well, evidently it was important enough he told him to wait, to tarry. Now, we obviously don't tarry today. Some people in Pentecostal circles think that you have to tarry for the Holy Ghost still, that you have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come on you and And a lot of times that can hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. But actually, if you look at the scripture, the only time Jesus ever said to tarry was in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And then once the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 going down through 4, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, from that day forth, we never see anyone ever tarrying again. So yeah, in Luke 24, verse 49, he told him to tarry, but from Acts 2 on, we never see anybody ever tarrying again, because the Holy Ghost has been poured out, because the gift has already been given, and all you have to do is receive him. You know, I've said, for those that are hungry in life, for those that are looking for more in life, they don't know exactly what they're even looking for, but they know they want more, they know they need more, the Holy Ghost The Lord will visit them in that place of desire and hunger and he'll fill them with his spirit. That's a word that I got from the Lord a while back. And it is so true that people who desire and hunger for the things of God, he's going to fill them because their heart is right. Amen. Glory be to God. And so I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost, aren't you? And, you know, there's a lot of different erroneous teachings out there. Why we shouldn't have the Holy Ghost, why it's passed away. Oh, that tongue stuff is of the devil. Well, you just go ahead and prove to me by the scripture where it says that. You go ahead and prove to me, if you can, that the tongues is of the devil or that it's passed away or that it passed away with the last apostle or that's not for everybody. You show me where it's at in the scripture. I'll, and I'll tell you this, you won't be able to. I was talking to an individual one time who thought he knew so much about this subject he'd come from a denominational background and there's nothing wrong with the denominational background. We're in the body of Christ. But don't let your religious roots, your roots, if you're from the South, like I'm from Oklahoma, but don't let your religious roots, don't let your um, what you've been taught and what you've um, been uh, familiar with hinder you from receiving the word of God and from receiving revelation from the word of God. Don't let your background, your religious background, keep you from receiving what God has for you. Because God wants to show you more. God wants to reveal more to you. And a lot of times when people say they know the word, and when they're confident that they they know the word, they can be surprised because the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal more to them and show them things like they've never seen it before. The Lord Jesus will begin to reveal himself. You know, the scripture said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse uh sixteen talks about the prayers that Paul was praying for the church. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. See, there's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, or the knowledge of Christ. And there's more. There's more to know, there's more to see. And so don't act like you know it all. Be open to receive more. Be open to receive. Ha ha ha. Glory be to God. And so anyways, I was talking to this individual. And like I said, he came from a religious denominational background. And um, he wanted to challenge me on the subject of the Holy Ghost. And I like to debate. I think that uh, that it's good to be able to defend and to... Um, be able to talk about what it is that you believe in and be able to sh- prove it by the scripture. And so we were talking and he was trying to pull out scriptures, isolated scriptures here and there, trying to prove his point, saying that the Holy Ghost wasn't for everybody, saying that that it w- uh, wasn't something that everybody could receive. And he tried to use the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's such an old uh, tactic, I like to say, about how Paul said, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And obviously, he was talking about um, other gifts and stuff and saying, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of prophecy, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Well, in that context of what Paul was saying, he, no, the answer is no. Not everyone can do that. But what Paul was talking about was a public ministry of speaking with tongues and then bringing the t- interpretation you see a lot of times where people miss it is they think that that scripture there applies to everyone that can everyone and that determines some can receive the holy ghost and some can't but actually what people miss is that there are two sides to tongues there's more than one operation of tongues there is being filled with the Holy Ghost and your private prayer language unto God. Because remember the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, and that you may prophesy. Didn't he say that? But rather that you may prophesy. Verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So, what Paul was showing us there, there is a prayer language unto God. He who speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And when in Acts two four they got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was 120 of them in the upper room. Every single one of them got filled. God didn't pick out certain people to be filled and others he left alone. No, when there's the ministry of tongues and interpretation, which I like to say it's a public ministry of tongues and interpretation. And then there's being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is your private prayer language unto God. Yes, anyone can speak with tongues. If you're in the body of Christ, if you're born again, you can speak with tongues. The Holy Ghost will fill you. He'll be And he'll come on you and you'll be able to pray and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. But then what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was that... Not everyone has the public ministry of tongues which is with which comes with interpretation, and that's in verse thirty of chapter twelve so there's two sides to it there's two, two more than one operation of tongues, and so that's a mis a misunderstanding that a lot of people in the body of Christ have, and it's taking it out of context but see if what Paul said is true, and it is, that not everyone can speak with tongues and interpret, then he must be talking about a ministry or something different than a prayer language because the scripture said, in like we just read in the 14th chapter, that whatever it is that Paul was talking about, it was speaking unto God. It was speaking unto God and not unto man. So see, there's a difference there. And so this individual tried to use that scripture going back to my story. You thought I forgot about it, but I didn't. <laughs> this individual tried to use that and I taught him, you know, there's a difference. There's dual operations. There's more than one operation of tongues. There's the the prayer the prayer side of tongues, a private prayer language that you have unto God, and then there's the public ministry of tongues. And so then he tried to pull other scriptures out and tried to use other things. And you know, the more We talked, the more I could tell, he really didn't know or have a grasp on anything he was talking about. And eventually the subjects started to change from subject to different subjects and we just got all off. But eventually I just stopped him and I said, listen, listen, listen. The truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Ghost wants to fill you, that you're in the body of Christ, that you're, you're a child of God and he wants to fill you. And I told him a story about my grandmother Who was a good old Baptist lady and she loved the Lord and she was desirous of the Lord and she wanted more. And she met a Pentecostal lady years back. And she said, she didn't know exactly what it was, but she said, there's something different about this lady. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about her and I want to know what it is. Well, she came to find out that the lady was Pentecostal and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And my grandmother went to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm a Baptist and I don't know everything about this, but I want I'm asking you to show me if it's right. I want asking you to show me if there's anything to this tongue's business and this Holy Ghost business. And the scripture that the Lord took her to was back in Acts. And it was in Acts the third chapter. And it was such a it had such a, a profound effect upon her because it it literally cleared it all up for her. And she was able to see the light on the subject like she had never seen it before. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to look for it. I'm actually, uh, I'm not using my own Bible tonight. I'm using a different one because I don't have my Bible at the moment. But, um, It says here in Acts chapter 3, starting in the 18th verse, it says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath also so fulfilled. Repent ye, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord. Glory be to God glory be to god and you know times of refreshing come in the presence of the lord don't they and um i am not finding the scripture that i was looking for guys i'm just going to be quite honest with you i keep trying to buy time but i'm not looking finding it but anyways i'll just uh, have to quote it but anyways she found the scripture that says this is to you and to your children and to all that be afar off, as many as the Lord God should call. Well, was And the scripture was talking about the Holy Ghost and how it was a gift to those there that were listening to the message that day that Peter was preaching. And it was to the, their children and to all that be afar off, as many as the Lord shall call. Well, that scripture literally opened my grandmother's eyes and she saw it like she never saw it before. She was able to see that the Holy Ghost was for her. It belonged to her and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I told this story to the young man. And, you know, because he was born again and because he is a child of God, I could just see desire in his eyes after that. I could just see the Lord working on him right there. Because, see, when you give the word, it's hard to fight the word. It's anointed. It's powerful. And when the Holy Ghost begins to work on that word, he begins to teach through that word and begins to reveal uh, the word and the scripture to people. It's hard to fight that. And the guy really, I could see the desire in him for more. And so we were able to help him. We were able to minister to him. And he was able to see things like he never saw before. But so many people are fighting this, guys. They're fighting something that, that really... Should, is not right. They're fighting for something when they, when they could just receive the gift, the wonderful things of God, the wonderful work of God that he has for them in these last days. And you know, we have a ministry and we need to step into our ministry and the way we step into it, the enablement of the Holy Ghost, the powerful, wonderful things that the Holy Ghost can do for us to cause us to be effective and to cause us to uh, be fulfilled in life and to do what we're called to do. And so, you know, the ministry of the believer, I'm not talking about fivefold ministry gifts now. Fivefold ministry gifts are actually sent to the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 8 verse or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why they were given. He gave gifts unto men, the scripture said, in Acts chapter or, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And verse 11 said he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. So the ministry gifts are sent primarily to the body, but the ministry that's on the body, the body of Christ, has a ministry, doesn't it? They have a ministry. And their ministry is uh, talked about in different places in the scripture. And so many people don't even know about it. Talks about it in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every living creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, Jesus said, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Notice, they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Well, That's a ministry that's been given to the body of Christ. I wasn't talking about fivefold ministry gifts. They have a healing ministry. They have a ministry to cast out devils. They have a ministry to, to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the scripture says in verse 20 of that same opening that they went out preaching the word and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. See, we were talking about the power of your witness. You're in power. The power of, of, of the Lord the, through the person of the Holy Ghost comes on you to enable you to be a witness. There ought to be a power behind what you're saying. There be a there ought to be a power in what you're saying. And thank God for the Holy Ghost. And guys, guess what? I found the scripture. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 38 said, Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Glory be to God. Guys, I trust that you love this teaching and that you're blessed by it and received from it today. Remember, you can follow Stephen Overbaugh Ministries on Facebook, on YouTube. We are getting ready to launch into TV ministry pretty soon through Roku. And for anybody out there that knows about Roku or familiar with Roku TV, we're getting ready to get on there very soon. And God has been moving and working and expanding us. Um, And he's given me words recently about how there's going to be a greater voice that this ministry will have, and it will carry out more and more and more people will be touched, more doors will be opened. And so we're getting ready to launch onto Roku TV, and there's more to come. And so you can also follow the ministry on the website, stephenoverbaugh.com. And thank you for my partners. Again, you can partner on there through the ministry. Go to the partner page and fill out the form. We want to hear from you. We want to be blessed by your testimony. We want to stand in faith with you and pray with you for your desires and needs and what you believe in God for. Um, and we want to we take hold with you as you take hold with this ministry. And so thank you once again. Thank you for uh, being... A part of this ministry. Be blessed, and I'll see you next time.